0: On this episode of The Fellowship Podcast by CMF International, we continue our conversation with Phil Tatum, the director of Global Scope. Phil's going to share with us about his four years of life and ministry in Chile, what it was like to start Eloasis, the campus ministry in Santiago, and why you should probably not tell your high school Spanish teacher that you'll never use Spanish again in your life. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to The Fellowship. Welcome to the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. I'm your host, Jake Moore, and I am joined today on this episode uh, episode, excuse me, with my Good friend, Phil Tatum. Phil Tatum, what's up, man? How's it going?
1: What's up, Jake? Good to be with you again, man.
0: Yeah. I'm very excited to be talking a little bit further about your term of service with CMF, with Global Scope in Chile. Um, on the last episode, we spent quite a bit of time focused on kind of the buildup in your personal story to ministry in Chile. Talked about your personal journey and um, particularly even just going deeper in your faith at, at college at Georgia tech uh, and getting plugged in with CCF. And you came in at a really interesting time in history when the campus ministry there at Georgia tech uh, Christian campus fellowship was in was starting this like partnership with CMF to launch global scope. They started Mexico city and then right around the time, your senior year, they were looking at launching another campus ministry ministry in Santiago, Chile. And so I'd love to hear about that first year of service, um, as you're trying to wrestle with language, I'm guessing as you guys are wrestling with launching the ministry and just what that looked like. So did maybe to start us off, did you actually already know Spanish going to Chile or how did that go for you, man?
1: I did <laughs> not. So okay. I took- Two years of high school Spanish. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Tina Dobbs. Uh, My ninth and 10th grade year. And I remember telling her as I turned in my final, my sophomore year of high school, I told her rudely, don't do this to your high school teacher. I said, I'm never going to learn this stupid language. And I walked (laughs) out of that class. And that was Was Spanish forever until I decided to follow God's calling to be a campus minister. Yeah,
0: that's that's God's little moment there for to laugh at you, like, oh, yeah, Phil,
1: that was on, the only one. I've got plenty of those moments, yeah. but that was pretty epic. So no, that's I didn't great. know Spanish going in, but once I, I don't know if this is a seven enneagram thing, but mm-hmm. once I, once I made the decision, I am going to Chile for a couple of years. I was all in. I was reading books about Chile. Okay. I was learning about history. The the coup the dictatorship Mm -hmm. i started playing soccer all of a sudden like hey man i gotta (laughs) yeah this is i'm moving to south america and started working on spanish Mm -hmm. just a little bit but Mm -hmm. most of our chilean spanish is interesting and you know back in the day missionaries going to latin america would all go to costa rica to learn Spanish and then go to their the country. Oh yeah. There.
0: I've heard of that. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a neutral Spanish that can, is applicable at anywhere. It's kind of the it
1: idea. Is, but Except. <laughs> we heard over and over, just come here. You're going to have to learn Spanish twice. Mm-hmm. So that was our intent. We moved to Santiago and the first, First six months at least were pretty much dedicated to language and culture learning. So we went down, we didn't have a language school to go to. We started, okay, wow. uh, We had some LAMP tips and ideas, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. reach, that sort of thing. But we found maybe
0: highlight what's LAMP again. Like, just I (laughs) I know what it is, but for different folks, or maybe even for some of our global scopers, they might not know what the LAMP is. Yeah, it's it's
1: language acquisition made practical. That's what Mm -hmm. it stands
0: for the acquisition. Mm Uh, or the acronym,
1: but you, the idea is that you are practicing these texts. You get somebody to help you write a text and you have a little recorder. I had a mm-hmm. digital recorder that mm-hmm. I'd listen to my texts that are basically a paragraph. And then you come up with a language route. You'd walk around and ask people over and over, have the wow. same conversation over and over and over again mm-hmm. until it just gets ingrained. And some of that grammar gets ingrained. mm mm-hmm. You learn vocab and eventually you can start having conversations with people. But at first you're like, hello, my name is Phil. I'm here to (laughs) learn Spanish. I'm from the United States. This is all I can say. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And then you walk out. It's so
1: so awkward in the beginning.
0: Did you ever have anybody get mad at you? Well, I had people say No. Um, <laughs> like, not, no, not, don't say anything to me Go away Yeah,
1: like, no, no thanks I, I remember there was a pet store I would I would go to language school Then I'd come back to the, the house The family mm-hmm. I was staying with And my language route was from The metro stop to their house mm-hmm. And there was a, a little kid's toy store There was some kind of an office supply store And I remember the pet store The lady <laughs> was just like No, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this Like but, every day? Like every day? Like you no, try to well, go in? <laughs> I gave up after and she said no, because the first text you're asking him, um, yeah. can I practice with you? ¿Puedo practicar mi español? And she was just like no. So I'd i stop at almost every place and then walk around. I would pass over mm-hmm. the bed store. Yeah. Bed no. store.
0: Oh, that's funny. And you never went back in there. You're like, you don't even get my business then if you want not let right. me. Speak we don't, to don't you.
1: have a pet even today. I don't know if you're yeah. part of
0: it. Yeah, you're scarred from that yeah. from that time. Yep. So how long was your study then?
1: we were in language school full time for, I think about six months, five to six months before we even started ministry things. We came down, Steve Pallage came with us Oh, cool! Uh, our, as we landed, helped us connect with a couple mm-hmm. families. So every teammate, there were six of us on the original team. We were all living with different host families and going to language school together in the morning. And then the idea was to do our language routes in the mm-hmm. afternoon. So it was, full on Spanish for for five or six months from from about September until the, the Chilean school year started in March. That was pretty much all we did.
0: Now, this is not to go on a rabbit trail, but at one point, CMF had a pretty significant ministry, church planning ministry or partnership in Chile. Were the families that you were living with a part of that ministry team, or were these Chilean families that you had met through some network, how well, how did that work out for your team?
1: So some of our teammates did live with families mm-hmm. it, involved with those churches. There were a couple different church planting works. One down in, in Concepcion, which is about six hours south of Santiago, mm-hmm. but in Santiago and specifically in the the comuna of of Maipu, there was a group mm-hmm. uh, with Doug Calistad. The Calistads, Doug and Shelly Calistad, had mm-hmm. been CMF yeah. missionaries, and they they eventually uh, spun off and. Uh, are part of Ibero Americana Ministries, but some of our some of our teammates lived with them. Others, I lived with a family um, that lived in a, a, just another part of the city. It was a Christian church and somebody that, S- Steve Palich had been connected, I think, to this pastor, Craig Woolsey, who had gone to Ozark Christian uh-huh. College way back. They had connected. Steve went to Manhattan and somehow he knew Craig Woolsey. So we went there and I, I think at church on Sunday we Steve stood up and said, "Hey, we have some people that need a place to stay." This family was like, "Sure." What uh,
0: you, were you guys literally like living in a hotel out of your backpacks at that point we when were, he stood up?
1: We were crashing like with the Calistads and okay. other families around there, but it was like we'll be here until we find a family. It Man.
0: Was, well, how did you take to language school though? So it sounds like you were faithful when it came to like doing your route, learning your things, going out and practicing, but did you actually enjoy it or was it more like the grind? Like I got to do this in order to do ministry. I
1: I enjoyed it eventually, but Mm. I think at first it felt, I just remember feeling at one point so overwhelmed like I remember making the comment, I think it was to Mark Fifield, like every day I forget more than I learn. Like as, and, and the the vision I had was as stuff was being shoved in one ear, mm-hmm. like out the other, more stuff was just filling out. I was like, I'm getting dumber every mm-hmm. day we go to language school. That's But so eventually funny. it came around and I I do, I love the language. I still love speaking Spanish. My mm-hmm. Spanish is quite Chilean, mm-hmm. Um but it, it, for us it, it it got to
0: the point of being fun, but there were certainly months, weeks yeah. and months that were a grind. Wait, uh, at what point in looking back do you think it did become fun? Was it like at the end of the year when you finally we started meeting with students or like or was it a, a conversation that clicked? Uh, I, know, I don't know it,
1: about a moment, but as mm-hmm. I remember there being a time when I realized, you know, at first you start picking out the words you know as you're having a conversation, you're like, "Oh, I know that word. Like, oh, okay, tomato, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then at some point it flips to where you're like, "Okay, mm-hmm. I, I understand more words than I don't understand that mm-hmm. that I remember being kind of a big deal. And then for me, uh, we talked about before my desire uh, to be a stand-up comic. Yeah. I, remember, I remember the moment when I was funny mm-hmm. in Chile. Mm-hmm. I realized I I made it was kind of almost a like a little bit it was in the sketch and I thought okay I I'm me yeah. again yeah that that was huge for me like I made the whole room laugh mm-hmm. by this goofy thing I did mm-hmm. like okay I I have arrived not that I'm done learning I'm still trying right. to learn Spanish now but that was a big moment like Absolutely. I'm myself again
0: yeah I I do feel like it's a it's a genuine genuine gift when you finally have the opportunity to make people in another language and another culture laugh at something you said, not just because you're bumbling along and sound stupid, like you didn't say, you know, you didn't say the wife, you said cow when you're talking about uh, your significant other or something like that. No, you actually, the timing was there. Yeah. The, the idiomatic saying whatever it may be uh, was put, was placed just right. That it, created the the laughter effect that you were looking for yeah, yeah man i i love that too and I, I agree once you can make people laugh it really does become a joy to delve even deeper into the language it feels like you're like okay yeah what's my next bit gonna be <laughs> right right yeah And then you're looking okay what's yeah. funny here and why is
1: that funny and there's just mm-hmm. so much history to language as well like mm-hmm. jokes from some TV show back in the eighties. Well, I Mm -hmm. didn't see any Chilean TV. Like you just have to pick up that stuff over time.
0: Yeah. Well, any words of advice or thoughts on just the process of language learning? We got a number of missionaries across the board who are at different phases of the language learning process. Some brand new folks, some folks that are at that six month mark, that one year mark, others that are 10 years into it and maybe still hitting frustration points. Any words of advice for for some of our missionaries?
1: Well, I think over time, I realized just how important it was to be able to connect on a deep Mm -hmm. level with folks. We always had students that could speak English, but being able to connect, even with their parents sometimes, like you just can't do it if you're you're not in their heart language. And I, I just encourage people to stick with it. Even when I was never getting dumber while I was learning <laughs> Spanish. It was just, it was hard. It was sure. a lot. I was overwhelmed. I also, I needed, when I was in language school, I needed nine hours of sleep a night. I'd mm-hmm. gone from college, I'd sleep four or five hours, take a little nap mm-hmm. in the afternoon be fine. It was just, it is tough on your brain. Yeah. But if you put in the work, you can get there. And the other just bit of advice, and we did this as a team. So, um, and it was not helpful, is comparing yourself to teammates. I think giving yourself grace and Mm -hmm. giving your teammates grace when it comes Mm -hmm. to language, at some point we finally came up with the rule of, hey, us gringos, we're not going to correct each other because Mm -hmm. we can – you could do that, but you could also get yeah. stuck and a conversation couldn't go anywhere. Because actually, the uh, didn't you mean in and not por? And, yeah. You know, it's not helpful. Right. If a Chilean wants to say, hey, this is actually the right way to say that. That's one thing. Right. But we, as, you know, gringo teammates,
0: American teammates, we decided, you know what, we're not going to critique each mm. other. Um, I, I, think I think that's think really that wise. Helpful. Yeah, no. the uh, we My wife and I were guilty of being competitive with one another. At that time but then also competitive with teammates at different points and it it was healthy on some level and then on other levels it was not helpful
1: (laughs) to any of us some people just struggle some some Mm -hmm. folks i mean i think a lot of it is based on hearing too if you have trouble Mm -hmm. hearing that makes it even harder to pick up and you just learn i learned differently than my wife mirin's grammar to this day is better than my grammar
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but I can tell jokes better. I know more idioms than she does. I'm, I'm yeah. just more conversation. I was more of an auditory learner. Yeah. And she was more of a uh,
0: sight kind of yeah. learner. And so, wow, that's really interesting. So now, Marin, was she a part of that team of six? She was. She was. At, as you guys are doing language studies and sleeping for nine hours plus a night uh, because right. your brain is growing, when did you start doing like, the on the ground meeting with students kind of, or even placement, like where are we going to do this campus ministry? We're going to do this campus house. what point did that fall in that first year?
1: It was around the six month mark. We were Mm -hmm. still in language school and living with families. And we, I I don't suggest this for our teams Mm -hmm. now, but we started looking for a campus house. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. Like here's, here are the campuses we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. This is the primary one. Let's find a place close to there. And so around February, March, as the school year in, in South America starts around March, we were looking for a place. And then we were also just getting out on campus all the time. I was younger and actually had a little bit of hair then, so <laughs> I could walk onto campus. Yeah. And so we'd, I'd go to campus and play foosball mm-hmm. with folks, or I'd go... And you are a
0: killer foosball campus. player. I've, I've witnessed this. I can testify. I do. Testify. Okay. I do okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of practice. We call
1: that mm-hmm. outreach. Uh, and then playing soccer and just trying to meet folks on campus. Or so we, some of our teammates took options classes. People mm. taking salsa classes. One guy took a mountaineering class and got wow. to a twenty thousand foot peak in South America, and that was That's his, amazing. Yeah, just finding any and every way to be around students, figure out where they are, hang out, and start meeting folks.
0: Mm-hmm. So that so then- was
1: maybe the sixth. Six to nine month range is when we. Yeah,
0: which is also a fun time from the language standpoint for you. You're playing soccer, you're playing foosball, you're practicing the things you've been learning. Maybe you feel like you're in a little bit of a rhythm linguistically to where you're not just drowning as you're hanging out with those guys. I'll
1: I'll be honest, I just need to say, Jake, like Spanish for an English speaker is not the hardest language to (laughs) learn. You can pick it up. (laughs) I don't know when I was fluent, but this is not like, you know, Thai or. Uh, sure a language with different characters Mm -hmm. uh, so so you can pick up spanish pretty quickly even german is is much more difficult to learn than spanish yeah
0: no absolutely absolutely i I think it's just there's still aspects to your learning experience that can be gleaned uh, for any and all of us for sure so you guys started meeting with students just in some fun social ways what were the qualifiers for the place like at what point did you say, okay, this is going to be our location, and this is when we're going to start launch actual programming as a part of your your campus ministry there in Santiago?
1: Yeah, as we were looking for places, we had a budget for one, which was mm-hmm. helpful, and we were – Santiago is a huge city, mm-hmm. five million people at the time, I think, probably wow. like seven now. Yeah, We were trying to find where it made the most sense. We had one campus we wanted to focus on, but there really wasn't No one lived around that campus. So for us, we Mm -hmm. figured out pretty quickly we need to be on one or two different metro lines pretty close to the train that everybody takes every day. So that was a big deal. We just kind of looked around within, and students are more used to walking, so they'll walk a little bit. But we wanted to be within maybe five, six blocks max of Mm -hmm. a a main metro station. We We ended up finding two different places in two different communities we' we fell in love with one that was mm-hmm. a little bit nicer part of town and started negotiating on rent then we were within our budget and then all of a sudden they they found out we were Americans and the price happened to go up a little oh really that's yeah interesting. that was uh, that was really frustrating and it, it went up significantly almost twenty percent I think and we tried to negotiate it back down and eventually walked away from it and Mm. ended up landing in the place where that ministry crazy enough today still meets still still meets
0: there that's Yep. Um, (laughs) how cool man i mean that's really cool even to think about just your legacy of faith and sowing that seed of faithfulness what 18 years ago now what Mm -hmm. is that right yeah to to today it's still there uh, and all the fruit that's been born out of that ministry. That's pretty significant. Yeah, pretty so good. you locked in on that place. How did you jump from playing foosball soccer to actually getting people to show up? Like what, how did that yeah, work?
1: Well, we had a big crop of exchange students, which was helpful around, okay. I think there were 12, two mm-hmm. had, two came from El Oasis in Mexico city from the first Oh, cool. global scope. Campus ministry, I believe the other 10 were from Georgia Tech. And so that helped. They were all, mm-hmm. all 12 of them were on campus at La Catolica, uh, the San Joaquin campus study and meeting mm-hmm. people. And we just decided to have a cookout. It was, it was March. Cool. We told everybody, invite all your friends. We cooked a whole bunch of meat.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh on the grill and ate in a, like was it an American cookout or a Chilean or s- kind of a mix of both? It was
1: a mix. We had mm-hmm. a gas grill, which everybody mm-hmm. kind of looked down their nose <laughs> at. It's just not <laughs> the same as charcoal. But mm-hmm. if you're cooking for 80 people, it, right. it's a lot easier to keep the gas going. So we just started off with a kickoff event, and mm-hmm. I think it was maybe a five minute, maybe less spiel. We prayed for the meal and we said, Hey, this is what this place is for. Starting next week, we're going to have a gathering. We're going to have some live music. Uh, we're going to have a talk about the Bible. We're going to do a skit. We're going to show a video. It's going to be a fun time. Come on back. Invite your friends. Mm-hmm. We probably had between, I think, I think, somewhere between 60 and 80 at that cookout.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. And That's huge. Week, it was. It was really big. And the next yeah. week, I remember I was praying for 75 Chilean students to show up mm-hmm. at our first Bible study, our first mm-hmm. midweek gathering Thursday night, and we had nineteen. Yes, <laughs> and get this, we had twenty-one Gringos or twenty-one oh, yeah. between the exchange students and the team and some folks from Mexico. We actually outnumbered them. Yeah. I remember being kind of crushed. Uh, I, I was like, "All oh, these people just would come for food." Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have free food at our, at our midweek gathering, but yeah, that's what we started with, with 19. And and once our event started, mm-hmm. it was like, you know what, this is, this is who's here. Let's go. And
0: okay. So it wasn't completely two for one, like two of you Gringos per Chilean, but pretty yeah, but it close. Was more than one. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So 19 people. Yeah. Isn't that, that's, I think that's a classic kind of example of ministry is we have these high hopes or even maybe inklings of what it could be something really big, but then in reality it starts much smaller and has to build from there than, than what it actually could be Uh, in these outreach events and other things like that. Uh, We had similar experiences in Ethiopia as well. At what point did you guys start feeling like you had got traction and it started pushing beyond The 19, 15, 19 students that were coming, or was it pretty consistent? 15, 19 students for a year, two years? No. How did it look?
1: We grew pretty quickly. We thankfully, we had one of the things that we did. Most of those students were actually students we had met through the churches we'd been involved in. Mm -hmm. So I think three different partner churches where our teammates had gone to church, they gave kind of their blessing on college students. Really, no. At the time, there were no college ministries in the churches there, so they mm-hmm. told their college students, "Hey, if you want to go be involved in this ministry, that'd be great." So we just we started with the nineteen we had, and I think it grew mm-hmm. and and built. I think we went, I think we went over th- three years where every Thursday night we had at least one new person. I remember the first time wow. we didn't have a new person, it was like oh, punch to <laughs> the gut, and then it was like, you know, we've got a pretty good run here. Yeah. With a, years of and you know students would come once and be like, hey, this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't my vibe. But we just started with what we had and encouraged those students to bring. At the end of the day, your students are going to be better at outreach. We all have to do it. Yeah. But the students who are involved in the ministry, once once they grab a hold and realize this is my ministry and let me think about this friend who I could invite, mm-hmm. uh, that that's when things start to build. So we I I don't remember the exact numbers, but we probably have by the end of that first year we had We'd, we'd probably at least double. We had maybe 40 or cool between 40 and 50 coming to our midweek.
0: So with your role on that team, what, what did that look like? Were you, you weren't the worship leader. Uh, yeah, you didn't get the not, gifting from your dad, as you said earlier in the other podcast correct. episode. What, what role did you fall into? Uh, were you teaching some? Were you the MC a lot of times? How did that look?
1: A lot of times I was the MC. This is me mm-hmm. trying to work out my stand up. Yeah. Comedy routine, right? So I would MC a lot of things. I was also the team treasurer, so I took care of that. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of uh, men's ministry and then just outreach. I love one of my favorite things to do is just meet new people and and make connections. So mm-hmm. I was involved. I did a little bit of teaching. It wasn't I wasn't the primary teacher person, but we'd we'd kind of rotate that responsibility among yeah. several of us. So. A little bit of the everything, but worship. I'd run the soundboard as, as the behind-the-scenes guy. I'd also make video. Back then, we back then we did a like a skit every week and an mm-hmm. announcement video every week because that's what Georgia Tech CCF did. Yeah. And so I I did a lot, a lot of those. Uh-huh. Uh, and looking back, I'm like, man, all the time we spent editing video, like.
0: Uh, for the kingdom, man, you were making an impact. <laughs> yeah. It's again, me trying
1: to work out this whole stand up comic thing. And sometimes it went great. I yeah. had a great, we had a Godfather recreation that mm-hmm. uh, I stand by to this day. But... Do you
0: have a copy of this? <laughs> I want to see it.
1: Uh, I think it's on YouTube, man. I think it's
0: sweet. I'm going to go look for it. And so. What was the name of the ministry, and what is, and still currently to this day, there in yeah,
1: San Diego, the the Oasis. It was mm-hmm. our very first global scope in Mexico City. It was was called that, and that's what we were trying to be, mm-hmm. um, an oasis for students away from uh, the grind and the bustle of a big, busy city mm-hmm. and an and intense university schedule. The second second place name that mm-hmm. that one of our teammates tried to push through was El Faro. Which is the lighthouse? The
0: lighthouse.
1: We said that's a great name. The lighthouse. That's a great name. If you're on the beach, but if you're in the middle of a big old city, you can't be yeah. the lighthouse. So Surrounded awesome.
0: by mountains too, right? Like isn't Santiago like down in a bowl kind of? Yeah, thing? it is. It is. You've got the Andes yeah.
1: right there yeah. to the east. Yeah, you. Keep, no, you're not the lighthouse uh, in the mountains.
0: That's Sorry. not going to work. Sorry, Wes. Sorry, man. <laughs> then hopefully that could be the name of the. Ministry that we're thinking of launching uh, 2.0, right, On Vina del Mar. There you yeah, go. Yeah, except they're going
1: to be losses. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, looking. So you did four years total uh, mm-hmm. in Chile. Looking back on that time, what were the things that were life-giving to you during those four years of ministry in Chile? Uh, whether that be moments or rhythms of of life and ministry, what what were what were things that sustained you during that time?
1: I think getting to see the fruit eventually mm. was certainly part of that. The moments where you see students take steps in their faith, whether whether that's you know baptism or becoming a leader or just seeing growth in students' lives. That's I mean that's what we all like yearn yeah. for. That's why we went, not just to pass out flyers or play soccer on campus, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But getting to see getting to see moments of, of transformation snapshots Mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, there were a lot of things that were building, building relationships. I remember for us, Mary and I, we built this friendship with a couple from our church Mm -hmm. and they were not involved at Elwastis at all. He, he played keyboard in the band. She's from Northern Ireland. He's from Chile. And we just had these friends that we could go to and we didn't have to talk about work We just got Mm -hmm. to hang out. That over time, that uh, that was so life giving. Having relationships like that, we we also grew uh, particularly close to the family that Marin Marin lived with. And so we, to this day, when I go back and and visit, you know, I visit the sepulveda Mm -hmm. house, and that was that was cool to feel like you have a family there. I remember Doug Callistad saying that to us that one of the great gifts of mission work is, is God will give you, you know, a family. Mm -hmm. You know, we see that promise
0: in scripture and we saw it. Uh, Man, that's so cool. Yeah. We, we experienced that as well in Ethiopia and desperately miss our family there as well. And and you found, we found family on our team you know, like your concept of family expands. So family within your team, family in the community, family in your ministry, Uh, family then also with other missions and other other missionaries maybe that are doing ministries uh, in that country so i definitely can resonate with that when it comes to the converse of the life giving piece the life draining what were some of the things that maybe you wrestled with during those four years that was just draining that just maybe sometimes felt like sucking the life out of you
1: for sure when you when you see students going making poor choices Mm in their life, especially, I I remember a couple particular situations with students who get baptized and they're growing and you're discipling and all of a sudden they start making a, you know, a series of choices that you're like, I'm just, don't feel great about that. Watching them kind of drift away from faith, it just is, is heartbreaking and gut-wrenching to see. And, you know, you got to have faith and obviously keep praying for those students, but to see you know, students just kind of walk away from faith or just not, you know, hide from community or just mm-hmm. whatever. When when you feel like you're a failure in ministry yeah. or you're putting on some event and nobody's showing up. <laughs> oh, I remember, Oh, I remember I had this great idea for an event for new people that no one ever showed up to zero. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> so the idea, it was this great idea that just, mm-hmm. I, I know why it didn't work. It mm-hmm. was, so if you're new one week, the next week, there'd be an event just for you. Okay. For all the newbies, but it's like, who wants to, like, I just got here, man. Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I planned two or three of those, and I was yeah. like, it, it went from like three to one to zero, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a bit too much pressure.
0: I like I, I like, like that you were forward thinking, though. You wanted uh, to make him feel welcome. But. I did I did? I think
1: the the other thing is team. You mentioned team being like family, mm-hmm. and for us, that was definitely part of our our Chilean family was mm-hmm. our team. But you know, when that goes south, uh, that is yeah. it's tough. We yeah. and we had a a teammate one of our initial teammates, uh, choose to leave in our, our fourth tier ministry. It's a whole long story for yeah another podcast, but that was tough. It felt like losing, you know, losing a part of this ministry, a part of our team, a part of who we are. It yeah. Tough.
0: Yeah. Team dynamics. Yeah. It's, it's truly like family. Sometimes you're like, in the best ways and the worst ways. <laughs> Who's the weirdo at the Thanksgiving table? You know, kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. You love them and they drive you nuts both at the same time. Well, what were ways that you found uh, kind of Sabbath uh, or restoration spiritually while you were on the field uh, during those four years? Did you, did you find any restoration uh, at all during that time? Uh I
1: yeah, I I did. I was I was younger, I had more energy and fewer children. Mm-hmm. So I think we we certainly came out of the gate with this Georgia Tech driven attitude of we are gonna make this thing work. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably did overwork ourselves yeah. at times into exhaustion. Yeah. But having, like I mentioned, friends and having kind of a Chilean family to go to after go to church and go to their house and have mm-hmm. this long lunch and just sit around and talk for hours was Sundays were really relaxing in a really good way. And also that was the day that I'd call my parents back home to
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Really
1: good Sunday evenings. I do that. And then as far as just getting away, Santiago's big city, second worst city as far as smog goes in the world. Oh. Yeah. Second like Mexico that bowl city. that
0: we talked about. This
1: yeah. Same as Mexico city. Uh, so getting out of the city and getting to go—I I was more of a mountain person than a beach person. We occasionally go to the beach, but getting to hike in the Andes or snow ski in the
0: Andes—oh my that, gosh, that, that sounds pretty, pretty phenomenal. Good. That yeah. was
1: pretty good. Yeah, that's when I
0: could now, make that and so happen. How how often would you get those breaks like that? Is that like once a quarter or during the winter break for them? Which would have been what that, that winter break in July. Uh huh. Yeah. So the, the summer- ski season, I
1: obviously you're not skiing in the summer, but yeah. I try to probably about quarterly try to get out of the city mm-hmm. or discover some new town with Marin. We do yeah. have an epic story of me trying to plan. I'm not so great at planning <laughs> vacations, Jake, <laughs> but we went to this city of Chiyun
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the south of. Chile. It rained for three days and Chiyan wasn't quite what I thought uh, it was going to be. But we were probably <laughs> quarterly, just try to get out of the city, explore yeah. someplace new, get out in nature. Mm-hmm. That was um, for sure life-giving. I mean, another life-giving thing as far as Sabbath and spiritual disciplines was the, the visitors that we'd have, mm-hmm. like the steering committee every year would send someone down and they would they'd, we'd either work on team dynamics or 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 they'd teach some scripture with us, walk through Mm -hmm. things, answer our our theological questions we're wrestling with. Mm -hmm. Some of those times with like Jim Donovan and White Huxford, Judy Chastain, Rick Harper, Perry Rubin, some of those were just the best Mm -hmm. times that you'd you'd partly just hang out and eat good food, uh, drink good wine, and then you partly, you know, talk shop, talk ministry, or just be poured into Mm -hmm. English, you know, it was
0: great. so much can happen over a meal, uh, and over the table, uh, just being together and, it uh, can be so restorative, uh, definitely can get that too. Um, well, I want to ask two questions as we wrap up our time. At what point, uh my first question is at what point did you meet David and Claudia Osa? Cause I would love to have them on the fellowship podcast at some point here in the near future. And just as like a foretaste of their way, the ways that they got plugged in with global scope and CMF, like mm-hmm. I know you and Marin play a, a part in that. So I want to hear a little bit about that. If you
1: don't mind. Yeah. We, they both went to the church that Marin and I went to hmm. and, when we started Eloise's back in, it's actually beginning of 2003. They were in the youth group at the time. <laughs> Seriously, that's and awesome. I remember, actually, it was David's older sister, Carla, mm-hmm. who got involved at Eloise's first. She was already in, in college and university, and she became, she was in our first, or actually our second group of interns that we ever had. She served. But I remember distinctly David coming and asking, hey. Can I come to, El- <laughs> to El- He was a junior in high school at the time, and I said, "No, you got to wait." That when you're awesome a senior actually. in high school, we'll let you show up. But I remember him just being so energetic. Uh, he was really he really was jumping at the bit to be a part mm-hmm. of Elowases because nä- mm-hmm. he heard all about it and heard about it from his sister, which was great. Uh, so we got we got to meet them when they were young, really before mm-hmm. they were. I think Claudia is a little bit younger than then David even, so we met them through church, and then they started either, she might have started in college, or maybe even in high school coming around, Wow, uh, so I remember, and David, I remember even when he was a senior, and we finally started letting him come around, he'd want to be on every skit team, this guy, he loves the microphone (laughs) more than I do, and his idea, I just remember his ideas were always just out there he'd be like okay i got one i got one how about like a bear comes in the room and starts (laughs) having a conversation we're like oh okay okay do you have a do you have a bear outfit or no 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 sorry uh how about a moose walks in the room you're like wait okay all right
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's great i don't know how we're gonna pull that off though but what's so interesting about that too is to hear almost like the Mm -hmm. mirror like a uh, story uh, uh, for your, you you had heard about CCF mm. before you got to Georgia <laughs> yeah. Tech. i would never and, made that connection. Yeah. It's so that. interesting to think about the last episode and hearing that story and then hearing that also with David that he just was so excited to get plugged in with this thing. And so when he goes to university, that's his thing, right? And he's plugged in and then now he's a CMF missionary going on. How many years now? Oh, I
1: don't even know. It's, it's yeah. up there seven or eight. Ugh. Yeah. Well, sure. number of years. But, yeah.
0: Sure. No. Yeah, it's, served it's in Chile phenomenal. for
1: several years, then went to Emmanuel mm-hmm. for a couple, and then has been in Uruguay now for however long year away. has been around wow. four or five. I don't oh,
0: know. Cool, man. That is absolutely phenomenal uh, to think about, and yeah, the the mirroring in your stories is really fascinating mm. too. So, my second question, as we wrap up this time, is just. Thinking about those four years of ministry, you told us in the last episode how you had committed initially just two years. What kinds of words of advice uh, would you give to some of our new missionaries that are in those throes of the first, second year of ministry or some of these people that we have that are doing the third year, four year uh, term? Any any thoughts that you would want to leave them with as we wrap up this episode today?
1: Well, I just remember feeling like each year and maybe this is more so with planting a new ministry, but each year kind of built on the next. And I, I can't imagine missing out on a year. Four was an amazing when God was really faithful. It was, it was the most, we had some like team, the team dynamic struggles in the beginning of the year. And that, that last semester we were there, just so much fruit, so many baptisms, so much mm-hmm. transformation. And, I wish I could have gone back and told myself and I mean, we stuck it out obviously, but you know, as you're starting things, as people aren't showing up or team stuff gets tough there, if there is something to that, that faithfulness over time, you see mm-hmm. God begin to build on these things. And I would, I'm just grateful that I got to be there and see yeah. that the fruit that obviously man now it is just so humbling to see that ministry continue and that Mm -hmm. ministry planting other ministries like so so humbling but i think it's hard to see it sometimes in the moment because because transformation it's all these tiny little changes along the way so when you step back and really take a look at several years and, and all that god's done and what where the ministry's gone from this point to this point it it's incredible, but it's hard to do when you're in the thick of it, when you're struggling with language or when you're, you know, culture shocking and you don't understand why things are this way or your teammates are being a pain. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to see it, but there is something to that, that
0: faithfulness over time. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate you taking this time to share with us, Phil. Grateful for you and your faithfulness uh, to Jesus over the years uh, at Georgia Tech in Chile And now as the director of Global Scope with uh, CMF, man, you're awesome. And I look forward to having you on the podcast again sometime soon. Look forward to it, man. All right. God bless. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. I'm so grateful for Phil and for his willingness to share with us more about his life and ministry in Chile and for giving us that reminder that God uses our faithfulness over time to bring about transformation in the lives of the people around us. Now, get out there and connect with what God is doing in the world around you.